Hi there, and welcome to the first episode of Human Cran. I am your host and interviewer and audio engineer and marketing director, Simon Tran. Thank you so much for joining us. So because this is the first episode of Human Crayon, I just wanted to introduce myself to you all. Um, first of all, thanks for listening to this. There are so many podcasts out in the world, and you decided to spend 30 minutes of your time listening to this. I am so flattered. Um, if there were sponsors, I would, I don't know, give you like a promo code, but I'm not there yet. Um, so... A little bit about me. Um, I'm a recent graduate of the University of Washington. I studied drama performance, the comparative history of ideas with a minor in diversity. And so what does that mean? It, It's a lot of things, but I'm mostly um, an artist, a writer, someone who's really, really passionate about social justice and diversity studies. And I really um, trying to find platforms to have um, those two things kind of cross with performance and art and social justice. And so um, this podcast is kind of a funny project um, idea that I had for a few months, but I think after um, the election, after moving back home and after meeting um, one of my comedy heroes at the moment, Phoebe Robinson of Two Dope Queens, it just kind of made sense for me to dive deep into something like this and to just try and see what I could do. And that's how a podcast kind of came in. And I think that as a young person, as a young artist, there is an expectation on myself that I need to be producing amazing work um, that is polished, that it's really refined, that's really, really, really mature and has its own voice. But I think that, um, you know, this is the age where There's YouTube and there's a lot of different types of social media platforms where people can develop a process um, first and develop those, um, that voice that they want or um, that type of project that they have um, their eye on but don't know really quite yet how they want it to look completely. And so, you know, as a young person, I have a fear of creating and producing work because it's very vulnerable, but I also and really um, very motivated to do that type of work because um, it's really important for voices of all different perspectives to um, be connected to audiences, I think. And so the purpose, you know, of this podcast too is to create spaces for college-aged people or those who are recent graduates of college who um, have a space to process and talk about social issues, talk about, you know, jobs and adulthood and transitioning from, you know, four years of very rigorous and very structured life to kind of the hustle and finding what they want to do and, you know, trying to find work and uh, adapt to kind of the needs and the, the, um, the expectations of what it means to be adult. I also think that um, there are a lot of great podcasts out there that are really, really 
engaging and very educational and very personal and very humorous and even um, very profound in some ways. And I think that I have been really, really inspired by those types of podcasts. And I wanted to see, you know, if I could myself from the amazing group of friends that I have continue those types of conversations and that type of work too on a podcast like this. And so, and so this is Human Crayon. And I came up with the title of it because I think a crayon represents being freshly minted, just like college students um, or recent college graduates. Um, crayons have a lot of variety about them, different colors and different textures. Um, and crayons are a little bit fragile, <laughs> just like I think young adults are. Today for the first episode of Human Crayon, we have my good friend Sierra Purdom. She is currently a senior at the University of Washington where she studied history and creative writing. And Sierra and I have known each other since the third day of college and I was so threatened by her chattiness and her her awesome sense of style that I first I first didn't like um, her or could see myself as a friend <laughs> so um, but here we are four years later and I'm asking her to be my guest on a podcast so that insecure freshman boy um, is proven wrong um, and I asked Sierra to write a bio about herself Sierra is a 22-year-old moss enthusiast who wears a lot of cardigans and rarely knows what she is talking about. Sometimes she writes things. She is objectively less cool than Simon, and that is all you need to know. <laughs> I promise you folks that that is a statement written by her, Sierra Purdom, and not me. I am not the conceited. Without further ado, Sierra Joy Purdom. First of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule as a student. No problem. Taking a break from science. Yes. Um, how's the weather up there? It's okay. It's actually been a very nice day. Um, but now it is basically completely dark outside. Okay. Because, you know, daylight savings ended. Yeah. I um, was running, <laughs> like, once. Um <laughs> It was like six o'clock at night, and I almost thought I was gonna get like I don't know attacked by like a like a I don't know a bird or something. Yeah, I'm I, I want to go to bed at like seven. Well, that's not my bed. that's not unusual for you. No, it's not. It's not for me. How are you? I'm good. This is a this is an awesome experience. I just want to say that the reason why I don't know if I told you, um, the reason why I wanted to have you as my first guest is because I like to say that you were someone who have always really been into podcasts. It is true. And not necessarily always, but for, for a little bit, yes. How how when did you like start getting really into podcasts? Honestly not even super long ago. It was like my junior year of college. Okay. Um, and to be clear for people who 
who do not know, I am now a super senior doing a victory lap. You're a senior um, plus a little bit, okay? It's like... Yeah. Right now, this is sprinkles. You know, I'm, I'm doing it. Yes. I'm doing it. I want to leave school, not me. Um, right. And I think it was my senior year, and it was, it was at that point in our culture where, like, everyone was listening to cereal, and so I started listening to cereal. Okay. And I've, I think I've listened to the first season like three times now. Um, and I'm like really anxiously awaiting whatever third season they're supposedly releasing. Oh. At some point, I don't know. They've been really holding that back for too long. But Yeah. Um, but I wanted to say that I wanted you to be my first guest just because you were someone who really introduced me to podcasts. And I literally oh. thought podcasts were just for old people. Like, I don't even know. They were just like the... They re- are not. They aren't. Here we are. <laughs> I mean, I feel a little old, but... Okay, well, I yeah, mean... As we, were, as we were saying, I'd like to go to bed at 7. How... What is your, your true age, do you think? My true age? Yes. You know, I've taken, like, a few of those BuzzFeed quizzes, okay. and I feel like often I get, like, mid-40s, and I feel like that's pretty accurate. Do you think you're mature enough to have a kid? I am not... Close. I, a child. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're gonna put that off for right. a little bit. Yeah. But I could, I could, I could be in my mid forties. Like you know, you can, you can still like go out like maybe once every couple weeks at that point. Okay. And then just like stay in and watch TV the rest of the time. Like that, that sounds nice. Yeah, that's like what I do right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, I think that it's interesting how, I don't know, how I think of myself as someone who, like, when I think of mid-40s, sadly enough, I only think of being a parent. <laughs> like, that's all that's all you're used for afterwards. Um, True. But I, I could see myself, I, I, I can see myself being a good dad, but not a good, like, dad of a baby. Yeah. Because, I mean, not... I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. constant attention. I know. I like giving my attention to like cheese and um mostly cheese. Cheese. Do you are you getting enough cheese? Um, so, uh, if those of you don't know who know, um, those who don't know, Sierra is on the San Juan Islands, and so I do not know what the cheese situation is. Over there. I am absolutely not getting enough cheese. Mm. <laughs> what? What is I'm there? Sure I say like I say like every day that I wish I had cheese. God, I mean, I I don't know. It's kind of like though, like when you are when it's like cold outside. Yeah. And it's raining, you don't need water. No, you just need cheese. You. Just, <laughs> so I'm just trying to say like a situation. I don't know. I just made this too complicated. <laughs> I was trying to be like, when it, like, if you're in the Midwest and you're all around cheese, uh-huh. and then you don't really need cheese. That's what I was trying to say. Oh, oh, okay. I yeah. see. Yeah. It's like, I, the absence of cheese is making my heart grow fonder. Yes. There we go. Okay. So. Yes, I, can, I think I 
think I think that's true. But I, I'm still pretty fond of cheese. Yes. When it has a prominent role in my life. Did your parents um did your parents bring you some? Actually no, they didn't bring me any. What did they do? What did they bring? They brought me peanut butter cookies. Okay. From my grandma. Okay. Um, and some like a package of pumpkin Reese's that they had already eaten. Okay. Some of them. That's fair. God, th- your parents, they, both kids out of the nest, they are losing it. <laughs> they, they are losing it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're doing okay, though. I'd, I'd say so. I think that it's um, yeah. it's hard because uh, I think I'm just so removed, I mean, from people. That's just, that's the hardest part, you know? Yeah. That's... Yeah, I think I'll probably be feeling a very similar way mm-hmm. after this quarter is done. Right. So, yeah. but I think that this is cool because, um, I, I think that there's a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of good things that when you create your own stuff and, you know, I'm just trying to find ways to like be more like volunteer, you know, I haven't done that in like years really. So, right. Same. Yeah. I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot too. I haven't been like super like engaged in any sort of community other than like the academic community no yeah really since ever like on my own right so well like what how what can you foresee your like first few months moving back home after you're done with school be like um i well i mean i'll be trying to find some sort of job (laughs) um hopefully one that i like don't have to quote unquote take home with me yeah, um, I only like, I only laugh at how you said some sort because like I don't know. Um, some sort of well, I mean, who freaking knows? No, <laughs> like, it, is, it is very unclear to me right now what I'm gonna be doing. Um, like maybe you know making coffee or something, something right. like that. Um, and then I'll be like hopefully, and this has been like a recent development. I'm really hoping to like start going to like some community council meetings and. Um, and maybe like school board meetings well um, and, and yeah just kind of like figuring out what I what I want to do um, in terms of like what I've been studying for the past four years like if I want to do things with them that's been something I've been thinking about lately um, like so. like um, te- um, could you define that more a little bit um. yeah yeah so I am a history and creative writing major yeah both of which are virtually useless degrees. In, um, uh, yeah, I mean... Career paths. I feel somewhat the same way in some, a lot of the times. Yeah, I'm not, like, I'm not a coveted, like, employee anywhere. Yeah. Um, and, and so I've been trying to figure out, especially in light of the election, mm-hmm. like, how I can be useful mm-hmm. on, this, on this planet. Um, and... And so just, like, the past week has been, I, like, the people who are around me here can definitely confirm has been a little bit of a tumult for me. Yeah. <laughs> Does writing matter? What can I do with it? Uh, right. Um, I, have, I have a friend, Hannah, who um, I met from Social Justice Improv in Seattle, which, like, mm-hmm. that's not, like, a company. It's just, like, a, like a... Pfft, Social justice improv, like this is like a thing, like a, like a world. Yeah. Um, just a thing. Just a thing. And she worked at a church, and she 
kind of facilitated because she comes from a, like she did improv so she kind of did improv for like you know better community building diversity building kind of skills and she's great and so one thing she told me because she ended up just like finding herself in uh, the school of journalism at columbia university which is like ranked one or two in the nation right um because yeah But um, something she said about writing really stuck with me. She said, you know, you can have policymakers and you can have lawyers, but it's so important to have writers who tell the stories so that people become moved by those policies and, like, are inspired, like, more um, viscerally. And so they can think about that. It's not just like, oh, why why should we deport all these undocumented people? But I feel like, you know, someone is writing about, like, the, the struggles that they face and, like, you know, I have really heard about those personally and so and like or people who are against you know uh immigration might not have heard about it so like you know your role is active in terms of swaying people to think differently about like actual consequences so right and i think i think like part there are like a few parts to my to my dilemma um Mm -hmm. which I've, like, I've kind of resolved, like, temporarily, but uh, I kind of was, like, in the throes of it over the weekend, and so, so part of it is, like, what, what space can I fairly take up Hmm. in, in the writing community, because in terms of, like, my own experience, and how I can be affected by what will or will not happen in the next four years, Hmm. I'm, I'm, like, a straight white girl, like, there's, you know, there's not a lot of experience to speak from, and that, at least that's the way I'm feeling right now, Hmm. and so there's, there's the issue of, of, like, I think storytelling is so important, right, but, I also think it's really important to find a way to tell other people's stories in a way that doesn't exploit them. Yeah. And and I know that I do have a voice that like some people will listen to and and so I just want to make sure that like I'm going into things like as an altruist and mm-hmm. and not um, like misrepresenting yeah. anyone. And so yeah, yeah, I'm just like kind of trying to figure out what space I can take up. And also, I was struggling a lot because, like, in, in creative writing programs, the aspects of language that I'm studying are, like, very technical for the most part. Okay. Um, form like, and, like, can I, diction and stuff like that. How can I have... What? Like, form and diction and, like, those kind of... Te- form, yeah. Like, how can, how can I manipulate, like, these words in right. a way that will make someone feel a specific thing? And so I've been dealing with, like, my own moral qualm with that, like, like emotional manipulation and writing. Like, I don't, I'm not super interested in doing that. I think about sincerity a lot, and, yeah, and so, like, I've been studying language, and it has come to my attention multiple times that sincerity is is nearly, like, impossible, Mm -hmm. because, like, language is representative, and it's just conceptual and everything. So I've just been, like, in my own head so much that I've been like, well, what's what's the point of all of this? Like, what are we trying to achieve by, like, writing a poem? Mm, like, mm-hmm. like, we can look through history and we can find poems that have been, like, socially or politically important. Right. Um, it's very difficult to figure out how to write something that will, that will be, like, effective but not manipulative. <laughs> right. Um, so... And those things are those things are sometimes like so intertwined, you know, because yeah, yeah, so yeah, so really, propaganda, you know, for example, so yeah, 
Yeah, it's been it's been a struggle to to figure out like if I even want to write, and I think that I do. I think that I do, but but just kind of I've been examining like why why do we do these things that interest us, and what are we contributing? Mm-hmm. So thank you, <laughs> thank you to the 2016 election for. <laughs> Or throwing me into an identity crisis. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, I really I appreciate what you said about all that because I sometimes I think that theater because you know not all writing is political or you know trying to advance things socially and mm-hmm. more em- empathetically and that has more nuance of different perspectives. Um, for every you know political poem, there is you know fifty shades of gray. <laughs> right. Um, I, think, I think there's also something to be said for for pieces of writing that just like invoke joy like yeah like we need a little bit of that and i think that's one of the things that i'm considering right now yeah is like how can i like cite all of the dark terrible things that are going on with like pointing to something nice like it's not it's not a super political thing to do but i think that it does affect people in like a positive way mm-hmm. and, it makes, and it makes me feel good to like find things that are nice for sure so I think they're different functions um, do you think that actively seeking out things that are positive in times of turmoil is a sense of like political resistance yeah I think that it could be hmm. I, I think that it definitely can be I think there, there are good things and bad things about it like mm-hmm. obviously there are a lot of problems that we need to be focusing on and trying to trying to fix but I think even the impulse to fix things is a really positive thing I'd say so but but I I don't know I like my roommate Caitlin was telling me that like less than half of the eligible voters in this country voted this time around and I'm like what (laughs) I don't know why I don't know where I was going with that but that's that it feels like that's worth mentioning like we need we need to do some work here Get people a little more, a little more involved. Myself included. I have not historically been super politically engaged. Uh, well, people, but. people attribute like you know my like me being active politically, and I'm like, I post a lot on Facebook. Literally, that's all I'm like. You know, when I was thinking about like what did I do or didn't do, I wasn't talking to those who were going to vote for Trump. I wasn't donating my time to help immigrants out. I wasn't knocking on doors talking about reform like I wasn't doing and like yes it's hard because um I think that political activism uh in this this model of our society it is it's not super conducive you know for volunteering you know or for protesting because people have day jobs people need to work people can get fired for those things people um, have families and it's not saying that's impossible but it's not you have to go out of your way to do yeah. that type of stuff and that's what's no way for it to be convenient no and nor should it because i think that that when there's a victory with political activism then like that is because of you were in the trenches you were being oppressed while you were fighting oppression you were you know so but i think that what you said you know about there there's a lot of stake and there's a lot of people whose lives are, are very impacted by this differently from ours you know so and i just like some of the things that I've been talking about with people here are like 
how do we pick which cause to advance? Like, mm-hmm. there, like as you said, there are a lot of things at stake. There are, like, people's livelihoods. There are, like, people's sense of security. But there's, there's also, like, like, the economic welfare of the country. There's, mm-hmm. like, the environment, which is going to be really negatively affected by by a Trump presidency. Um, And so, like, how do we, like, how do we even pick which one to give time to, you know? Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be difficult to, to, like, support everything that I want all at the same time. Right. But I figure, like, what, what I feel most needs to happen is just, like, we need to, like, get into the schools and, (laughs) and, like, them how the electoral system I've thought about that too I completely understand it like but I I I think the only encounter I had was a clear explanation of like how voting works Mm -hmm. was in an AP government class that I took that no longer offered at my high school yeah Um, wow One thing you said about, you know, the, the the environment and, you know, I'm guessing what you meant by like, cl- climate change and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you being um, in a very unique situation right now, you know, you know, quote unquote, studying abroad in Friday Harbor, the San Juan Islands and, you know, a very pristine, you know, lovely um, part of the world. Yeah. Um, has that kind of influence your your thoughts about you know being more an of an advocate for environmental studies or something like that absolutely you know i as as a humanities person Mm -hmm. i have avoided the science classes like the plague um (laughs) so now i'm taking like a marine biology class i'm like becoming best friends with shrimp and um, (laughs) for real like i'm kind of in love with a shrimp I had a dream about him and was talking in my sleep, and Caitlin told me that I would like talking to a shrimp named Whiskers. But anyway. Whiskers. Um, yeah, that's a real thing that happened. Um, I can foresee so, a uh, cartoon, uh, like a children's book. I wrote him a love poem. Mm. So <laughs> that's what I'm doing with my time. I'm really productive. Yeah, like, there, there are a lot of, like, state and national parks on this island, like, for how big it is. Right. And, and I'm, I'm learning a lot about how, like, intensely interconnected everything is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, considering becoming vegetarian. And mm-hmm. so I'm, like, I'm just going to come home, like, only wearing fleece pullovers and probably only eating chicken, like, once a week. <laughs> and, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I... I've always, like, really loved being in nature. Yeah. And I've always thought that, you know, natural settings are super beautiful. Um, and so, so like, I've, I've just been, I've been feeling a lot more passionate about it recently. Um, yeah. Just, like, how, how the tiniest things that we do can have such a huge effect on, like, on, like, really big living things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're overfishing, like, it doesn't seem like that big of a thing, but if we're overfishing, we're, like, taking away food for whales. <laughs> and, like, whales die because they're starving. Right. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And and I had, like, I don't know, it's it's been, like, a sad weekend because we, we went on a field trip to a place called American Camp where okay. they, like, had the pig wars or whatever. I need to learn more about this because, like, what is a pig war? Um, mm, okay, like... Yeah, I'm so, I'm so stuck. Yeah. 
what is that? Um, <laughs> but we went, we went to this park, and there we, we like talked extensively to the park biologist there, who's who's making like a really big effort um, with obviously like the support of the Endangered Species Act mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. like restore a population of really rare butterflies. So I was just like talking to her after she had like this big discussion with us and she was asking me about like what I'm studying and what I'm going to do and I was like oh you know I'm like a creative writing and history major like there's no clear path for me like oh poor me um and she was telling me that like the National Park Service looks for history people I don't know if that's necessarily true or if she was just like trying to make me feel better but she said that they like really look for people who are into history um Mm -hmm. To, you know, like do promotion for the parks and like give tours. I don't know. Um, and so I was like, that's really cool. Like, what what an amazing and unexpected prospect for me. Yeah. And that was like two weeks ago. And then about four or five days later, it was like, they're probably not going to be hiring people in the National Park Service anytime soon. Right. Because it's just not going to be as much of a priority. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a nice little dream while I had it for a few days. Yeah. But. I think that's, that's really lovely in that, you know, struggling with, you know, finishing up this quarter and thinking about your path of what you want to do with a major that has no clear, you know, situation. But, like, when you said all that, I, I was thinking about how you have graphic design experience you oh yeah yeah you you are a good writer and even though like it it's not the type of writing that you're used to or kind of want to um you know creative writing is necessary for marketing and communications but you know using it for people to be more responsive and more active you know going to those parks um i don't know i think that like that's something that you should hold on to because i think that if you're able to convey the the story of water, I think that that is you know people think of it you know they you know they think of that as a something that you know is not, not alive it's not it's not human but I think that you know it's it's yeah. it's really important to people to sadly think of things how it relates to humanity and us you know as humans but totally that's awesome yeah I would I promise that if that was to your destiny at least for a little bit i promise to give by you your first fleece patagonia sweater oh thank you i don't have any patagonias yet okay i only have like cheap ones from the north face in columbia okay well you know yeah i'll take a patagonia any day mm-hmm. i'm becoming that woman i feel like okay i have to i have to have like some fun fact about marine life for you okay well, Caitlin was telling me earlier today, Caitlin, my roommate, who you also know, um, mm-hmm. she was telling me that she learned in her fishes class that some of the really, like, conservative politicians in Florida were, like, seeking out scientists who had been studying fish with, like, transgender behavior and they were like seeking out these scientists and like harassing them (laughs) because they were like studying fish with transgender behavior right um and we were yeah i don't know you don't have to include that at all i thought it was really interesting i think that the um fun fact is like a bleak fact but (laughs) i think that the politicians were afraid that those transgender fish would 
use the like the female like cave to poop <laughs> instead of the male. <laughs> exactly. Since you're normalizing things. I know. Yeah. Yep. Because fish are the same as humans. Yes. They're exactly the same. Shrimp are kind of the same. I love, I love shrimp. I love eating them. Don't say that to me. I will never eat a shrimp now. All right. Well, any last words, my fellow friend and artist, writer? Um, Don't make it weird like that. <laughs> <laughs> No, that would, um, both things would upset my stomach, so those things together would not do well. Yeah, no. Yeah. But, you know, one, one or the other. Oh, That's yeah. my advice to the world tonight. Thank you. Both, yeah, okay. All right, thank you, Sierra. Well, that's the end of the first podcast. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to Human Crayon. Join us in a few weeks when we'll have another guest and we'll talk about all this awesome stuff. Thank you and have a good night.